this is sort of what you guys all do, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to do some stand-up. I'm going to do some videos. I'm going to do a podcast. The days are gone when you can just be a stand-up comedian. There are a few out there, certainly, um, but the, it's not the pathway anymore. Let's get these headlines done real quick once. Green Bay ice sheet breaks apart, stranding 34 ice fishermen. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. If that ice isn't drifting, don't come and jigging. Keep her moving. Hello and welcome to Here's the Pitch. I'm your YouTube friend Brad and this is sponsored as always by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. There's five locations. STLMasses.com is their website. Go there, check that out. STLMasses.com, five locations. Very excited today. We're going to be talking it over with Charlie Barons. There he is over there. Comedian extraordinaire, YouTube sensation. How do you, what do you say? What do you, what do you, what's your first thing that you say about yourself? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm usually, uh, the guy from those videos that maybe you saw a couple, couple, two, three times, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. Sometimes a uh, comedian, uh, sometimes uh, writer, I guess. I, I don't know. Video creep. God, there's no real good names anymore. You know, I mean, there are too many names. Creator, influencer. That name sucks, by the way. I, f I feel like that, that's got a lot of connotations, but I don't really know. This is a really long answer for a very simple question, isn't it? Yeah, if this is any indicator of how the rest of this interview is going to go, it's, it's going to be a long haul for everyone. I, I, well, that's, I, I'm like Barbara Walters. I ask these questions that make you think. Um, you do. You do. And, yeah, you, oh, go ahead. Well, what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, you're, you're at this point now where you are going on a stand-up tour. You're on a stand-up tour. We'll talk about that. You are doing videos. And I know you wanted to do, you know, like – NBC News style journalism. You went to journalism school, but um, now you've kind of morphed into this all-encompassing thing. Is did you think this is what your your path would be in the in your mid thirties? No, no. Jeez, mid thirties. Wow. Yeah, it used to be uh, low thirties. I remember those days. That was like two months ago. Um, no, I, it's funny how you go from. Uh, early 30s to mid 30s real quick like that again charlie answered the question uh no i had no idea at first when i was a kid i wanted to be a baseball player uh then a football player before that i wanted to be a, an archaeologist because i saw jurassic park and i thought archaeologists i thought paleontologists were archaeologists or something so but then in uh high school i wanted to be a, a musician um but through all that time the thing that was sort of constant like starting in high school or grade school, I guess, going beyond was I was always writing. I would write like songs or um, stories or whatever, you know, um, I was just, I kept journals. I always had this passion for writing. And, uh, and then in, uh, I was the editor in chief of the newspaper in high school. And then in, I went to J school in college. So I just kept continuing down that journalism path. And then I was like, well, I, I, I guess what I'm going to do, I'm going to do journalism. And uh, but I had this accent. And so it got me kind of, you know, it didn't get me uh, going up and up the ladder the way uh, you would expect, uh, actually, because, you know, uh, so I I sort of I didn't realize, too, I didn't have as much of a passion for it. What I really had a passion for was comedy. So I started doing more comedy and, and I but I it wasn't that all this journalism experience was lost. I blended it into 
my comedy uh, bit, you know, because stand-up is all like, what's your perspective on the world? What are your experiences? How can you turn those into jokes and maybe um, make that something that other people can take something away from? So uh, my journalism career definitely influenced my comedy career. Uh, but the short answer is I would have never expected to do any of this. Uh, and I'm really just incredibly thankful it happened because it, it, I couldn't have imagined it, you know. So it's it's cool that that this happened. This happened. You have a website so people can check that out, and obviously that's on the screen. But uh, where do you tell people to go to see your stuff? I think YouTube is where you can go see everything. Uh, the Manitowoc Minute, I think, is your your big thing, which is fun. You do you blend your news with your accent, and it's kind of a cold bear for. Uh, Wisconsinites and Fargo, North Dakotians, I guess. But uh, is that is that where you say, hey, go over to YouTube, just sub- subscribe there? What's the best way to, if you want people to follow? Yeah, you, sure. Yeah, we're on all the deals. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, and, and this kind of thing, uh, yeah, you sort of have to diversify. You never know which platform's going to be great tomorrow, which one's going to suck tomorrow. So you, you hedge your bets. But YouTube's got uh, everything. And we do a lot of sketch comedy, too, and... And just, um, you know, shorter videos now are what's in, obviously, you know, with TikTok and uh, YouTube shorts and reels and all that. So, yeah, there's plenty of stuff up there to uh, amuse you while you're uh, on the john. So that's that's where I'm most mostly consumed is is in the potty. So if you take three minute poops, it's perfect. Yeah, it is. And honestly, I've even got some shorter ones now under a minute for, you know, that that way you can get get uh, through a few if you, you do a three minute video. And then if you still um, still got some more things going on, I, you can take a minute video per. So I'm really glad we're defining this right now. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Or yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Where are we going? We're going to my buddy's house. What bar or church does he live by? He said he's over by the floating perch. Do you know how many miles away that is? Uh, yeah, 10 to 15 minutes. I got bottled ranch back there for you. Why do you have ranch back here? Uh, for the jerky. You put ranch on jerky? Everything. You have a full notebook? Like, and how do you decide, I mean, do you do one and then go, ah, oh, that wasn't funny? Or do you just post everything and hope somebody laughs? I mean, I have a, I've got... Uh, probably thousands of notes in my phone, little note section of just observations when I uh, go about and half-written jokes and half-written bits. And, um, you know, usually when we go through the process of writing it, and I have a, a, a team now, which is very great, of a few collaborators I've worked with, editors, um, and when something, uh, hits, we kind of are all like, yeah, that's good. Let's, let's shoot that one. You know? So now by the time we're shooting it, we feel pretty confident about it. But when I was first starting off, I was just throwing crap at the wall, seeing what stuck, you know, and a lot did not stick. So <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I do that while I'm watching your videos. I'm throwing crap against the wall. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, no, I thought I was, you know, when Snapchat became a thing, I'm a little older than you. I'm about five, six, seven, eight years older than you. Um, but when Snapchat became a thing, 
that was sort of, I, I was like, this is good. I, I Little 10 second stupid videos. I, I never realized it could become a career. Uh, yours are obviously, you, you do them every day, you're writing. But for me, it was just stupid little things you'd see. I traveled a lot. And I feel like when you're out and you're, you're with people, you just see stupid things all the time. I guess that's the best way to find materials, be on tour and be in different cities and just start looking around because people are funny and people are stupid, right? I mean, that's what I saw. Yeah, I mean it's it's really the uh the mu- the observing uh muscle, you know. Uh uh I mean all comedy needs a setup and um the punchline a lot of times is the easy thing, but that initial observation that becomes your setup, that relatable thing that uh, you know, people in a room can go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that." You know, uh and then what you have to say about that um, but, but finding those observations is, is the, uh, the difficult thing, but the fun thing, and you can really do it anywhere. You don't necessarily have to travel. You just got to develop that muscle of observation, I suppose. It's gotta be hard. I mean, you're just talking about bombing. What, what do you think about, so how many comedians have a podcast? It feels like this generation, or how many comedians are there? Let me ask. Do you, have you counted? Because it seems like everyone, you have a podcast, podcast, cripecast, um, this is sort of what you guys all do, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to do some stand-up. I'm going to do some videos. I'm going to do a podcast. How many of them are there out there? I feel like every day I see a new one. Do you know? Have you done? Have you taken count? Yeah, well, yeah. I haven't taken tally recently, but there's a ton. And the reason is, is you can't – the days are gone when you can just be a stand-up comedian. There are a few out there, certainly, um, but the, it's not the – pathway anymore uh it used to be you go work the door at the comedy store or whatever you work your way up maybe you get some stage time then some uh guy some casting director uh comes out on uh showcase night sees you books you in a sitcom and now you're famous that's not the way it works anymore and i think it's a good thing it's not the way it works anymore there are less gatekeepers uh but you kind of build the gate you know uh or you uh build the key uh build the hammer uh to destroy the gate i i don't know anymore you're your own business you're your own entity you are and and all clubs care about is can you get asses in seats you know um if you have a following and you can fill a club well boom now you can you can do stand up there, and you know let's say you're a really successful uh, influencer or comedian on the internet or whatever you can sell out a stand up tour, um, but then you've got to show up with the comedy and it's got to be really good fun stuff because otherwise no one's going to go see you again and word spreads like wildfire. Where though social media is the way things get out there. Word of mouth is still pretty intense when it comes to uh, unfavorable uh, uh, reviews of your stand-up show. So, and and for that reason, you know, it, it's tough when let's say someone gets really big really quick on the internet and everybody knows them. It's then tougher to go uh, to the clubs or to the uh, to the open mics, I guess, and maybe. You're putting yourself kind of like people may know you, your stuff isn't as good. Maybe you don't have as much permission to fail at that point. So it's good like as you are building uh, that online presence that you're still hitting the clubs at night and, um, and you know, 
and and becoming a stand up if that's what you want to do. Yeah, and with stand up, how how soon into your career of doing videos and what you were doing did you decide I'm going to get on stage and, and take this on the road? Is this something new or is this something that was always part of your like I said your brand basically? Yeah, for me, it was a little different. I was in the news business, and then I didn't want to do that anymore, so I started doing stand-up. And then through my stand-up bit, uh, my Midwest character was the thing that always saved my set when it was bombing. So I was like, oh, this is good. So then I made a video because it was about, like sometimes it crushed, but there were only 50 people in the audience, and I'm like, that felt awesome. But I feel like, you know, maybe it's it's being uh, it, it could be more. So that's when I made the first man's walk minute was after this show I did at the comedy store where the bit really crushed. Did, did you watch Fargo and think, oh, thank God. There, this is my opus because Fargo was my I mean, when I saw that. Uh, me and my dad watched it. We'd always watch these movies, and that was like an out there type of movie. I mean, we would watch, you know, Goodfellas and all the big ones. But here comes Fargo, and it becomes a massive hit, and it's just hilarious. William H Macy is is amazing, I think. Francis McDormand, they're all great. Did you did you watch that and go, ah, my people, this can be something? Because it was, I guess we're all laughing at it, and uh, they, you know, I'm assuming everybody up your way just thinks, what's so what's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what what I like uh, about Fargo, and some people give it crap for being like overly exaggerated, uh, and they give me crap about that too, to be honest. I, but anytime you're doing comedy, you sort of exaggerate to reveal kind of the punchline. But there are definitely people uh, in my family, in fact, that talk with with that with an accent thicker than the one in Fargo. Um, thicker than the one I used, you know, and and it's the phrases that are really good, you know, that I like saying like, so I says to him, I says, like, why would you pluralize says, you know, or say, so I say to him, I, I don't know, but it's just those little nuances that kind of reveal something, uh, I think, about uh, the place you're from. And I really enjoy it, you know, just from a fun perspective. Yeah, and you're now you're profiting from it because now this is what your your kind of your act is, right? I mean, is yeah. that I'm exploiting it right now, you know? I am just I am just a, a miner, and that is the gold, you know. That's that's all it is. Just exploitation of the place I'm from. That's really it. Well, I, strip mining actually. Well, yeah, that's good. Yes, we, we talked a little bit about like you know how you have to kind of do you know what you do and all these videos. I feel like the older comedians are are kind of like backlashing against you. Hey, we had to, you know, work at a comedy store and hope Johnny Carson's people would put us on. And then you always yeah. hear the Johnny Carson story. I mean, would you have liked that? Would you have liked to live in that sort of era where, because, you know, if you did do Johnny, then like Bill Maher's got real time and Jerry Seinfeld got a sitcom and you could go on and on. Tim Allen and Drew Carey, all these guys just literally talk about their first walking through the curtain. Um, would you have liked that or do you kind of like the way you've kind of said you like the way it's set up now, but would you, if you think back, would that have been a cool way to sort of get discovered too, or does it, the way you're doing it now even seem uh, better? I tried it that way for a while. I mean, I've been around for a little bit, so I, I tried coming up when that was, when there were those gatekeepers, but you know, all those people you just listed, uh, you know, they all, they all kind of look the same. They all, they all have the same, 
they're from the same background ish, you know, so it was very gatekeepery. Now there are so many niches out there, so many different kinds of people um, that are finding their own audiences and are raising up. I mean, there can be somebody who's got 3 million followers or whatever walking down the street. Nobody knows who he is. You know, nobody. Well, you would see them. They would be following them behind the three. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about online. I got it. It's me trying to do bits. Yeah, I'm trying to do a bit. See? <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. You, you got to get up there. You got to get up to the uh, club and, and work that one out. It's got potential. Um, <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's like like whatever you are. I just think like there's so many interests out there. And so when you can find a niche or an interest or, or a segment and sort of uh, dive into it and you have all these other people interested in it and then that can raise up and there are so many ships that can raise up whereas back in the Johnny Carson get on Johnny Carson get a TV show era there's only a very very select few people that are going to um, get to that place where other people watch them and therefore the perspectives were so much uh, more narrow back then and now there's just way more perspectives uh, and it's a more accurate reflection of our population, you know? So um, whatever you're interested in, you can find people that represent that and that speak to you. Um, there weren't real for, and I'm just going to use me as an example. Like it, there was not really a Midwest uh, comedian, you know, especially back in the day. Oh, Roseanne. <laughs> Well, Roseanne, yeah, I mean, right, you would, you do have Roseanne, you have Red Green, where they were doing sort of the can, I mean, you have a few examples, but it's not like, now there's like 15, 20, you know, so uh, that are X amount of followers, but you're right, Roseanne is, is kind of the obvious uh, one there, so, well, and also Tim Allen, uh, you know, doing uh, 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 home improvement. So, you know, you're right. I don't know what the hell I'm talking no, about. No, but they still had to go out to L.A. They still had to do the whole comedy store thing. They, I mean, they were from the Midwest. Uh, but, you know, Roseanne was just such a different voice. Tim Allen kind of a – I mean, they, these guys had, you know, they weren't just doing – stand-up they had a bit roseanne was domestic goddess tim allen had the, the you know the or, 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 whatever that was uh uh yeah, yeah, yeah. who were your guys who did you guys girls who'd you grow up watching or did you have any comedy uh icons people that you said man that that's something that i would like to get into because of uh, that person yeah and you know because i was in the news uh uh and i was in i, I enjoyed comedy i always liked how john stewart uh, and Stephen Colbert sort of approached um, approached news. You know, we always knew that, like, our politicians were full of crap. And uh, the way he sort of laid it out there was new at the time and was very powerful. And I think you started to see the power of comedy over um, sort of the infrastructure that we have, either political or media infrastructure that we have uh, in this country. And since then, since, you know, all the folks working with him have now branched off and they all have their own shows, um, it's very, that's a very saturated market. Um, but I think uh, I was very heavily influenced by him. I like Colbert, how Colbert really took on a character, a persona, and put up a mirror to something and sort of used embracing a, um, 
uh, sort of the ultra right wing thing by embracing that. He put a mirror up to it. I thought that was uh, very interesting. And um, uh, yeah, like, you know, from a stand up perspective, um, Bill Burr and um, and uh, Richard Pryor, if you watch those old stand up specials, that guy made. I, I think he was the first one to really make the stage, uh, like make the stand-up special a thing, you know, because it it used to be like a stand-up comedian. You kind of stand there, and it's a small stage, and um, you, there's not a lot of movement. But now he he sold out arenas, so he had this whole stage to cover, and he had this bigger than life persona, and um, and just watching his old stuff really. Uh, I was, I think, influential. So, um, yeah, there are a bunch of bunch of people. The Onion. I used to read The Onion all the time. You know, uh, again, great political satire. Great, just satire, generally speaking. Um, and just learning how to craft a punchline. That was that was cool. Yeah, I mean, when I watch Manitowoc Minute, I th- I think of Colbert when I see it. It's just you doing a character. Yeah. What do you see like five years from now? Is that something that would you know interest you? Comedy Central says, "Hey, we love what you do. We want you to sort of bring this this little act, you, this act that you do, or or whatever." Do you what do you see? What do you feel like you want in in the next couple of years for yourself? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't turn any of that down or whatever. But I, you know, I would have never imagined getting here. Uh, five years ago, so I, I almost hesitate to imagine where I want to go. Um, because the other thing is that networks are kind of the people who watch networks. That's kind of going away to a certain degree, and and really, net everybody has become kind of their own network to a degree, you know. And obviously, getting on Netflix would would kind of be a, a and have your own show there. The problem with that is you no longer have ownership over your um, content. So, uh, you know, it's all a trade-off of where is the best place to go. But I'm just enjoying making content and whatever home it lives in, uh, I'm going to be excited to do it. And it could just be my YouTube channel. uh, And I'd be very happy with that because all I really want to do is just make content and keep making jokes. And it'll land somewhere or it won't, but wherever it goes, the walleyes will still be biting. Ah, oh, cheese Louise. I love it. So, few few more minutes with you. Uh, how did you take all the Aaron Rodgers uh, kind of hubbub this this season? He, was, he made a lot of news almost every day. Um, yeah. How did you take it as a fan? You're obviously a Green Bay Packer fan. I watch some of your stuff. You do Lambo yeah. Leap. How, how did you How did you take? Can you Can you still love him? How does it How does it How does it do you separate? Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Aaron these days. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more of a Jordan Rogers fan myself. Just so you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> Who knew that he was actually the sane one in the family? But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, look. I think anytime you're talking about a public figure, you're you're always just looking at the tip of the iceberg, you know. And so he said some stuff that I don't agree with. Um, he's done some stuff that I don't agree with. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, like, what do I, I don't know who he is, you know, and I don't know, um, his deal. And I've certainly enjoyed him as a Packers quarterback over the years. Um, 
but it's always tough to really have any super strong opinions about someone you only really know through the media. And, um, uh, but you know, that is not what I have. That's not what I have found on Twitter. I, 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 unbelievably, everyone else besides you has an opinion about Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, the truth of it is I don't know, and I don't pay enough attention or honestly care that much about it. I mean, I care during the season, like, how much we're winning, but all the others, like, you know, it just got – and, of course, this year with the vaccine and everything and, and the, the pandemic, um, you know, it's it's been weird all around. There's been a lot of things that haven't made sense and haven't made sense, and – you know, scientists and experts are trying to do their best. And then there are some people in there who are genuinely question that and um, and have genuine concerns. And then there are some people that uh, just manipulate that for the purposes of their own following or whatever. So, you know, and, and I don't think that there's any real... Uh, definitive thing I would be able to say about anybody because I, I don't really know. I don't know shit. You know? Oh, that, <laughs> I do know when the walleyes are biting, though. You know, I can tell you, and I can tell you what they're biting on, okay? And uh, right now, if you take some uh, some wax worms out to Winnebago, you go out by that third reef, uh, you'll get some perch for sure, but you might you might find a walleye or, or, or tree coming by you, too. So there you have it. I don't. I don't think you could have continued in your news career without an opinion. So congratulations for not taking that path. Because I feel like if you would have stayed going through the news, uh, you know, trying to work your way yeah. through the, 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 you know, Manitowoc into uh, into uh, uh, Toledo, maybe then down, you know, working your way through these news areas, you would have to have an opinion. Yeah. You have to. You have to be jump. You have to jump out the screen and yell at people and and lie and tell them everything that you think. So this would not work. You I, you went the right way. That is that is the cable news approach. Okay, and journalism has died. I will tell you in this world in a lot of because they are. T- and I am an unbiased reporter at the end of the day. Okay, so you know I can just see one way and see how it goes. And the only thing I can tell you for sure is uh, about Aaron Rodgers, about where he's going to go and what he's going to do. The only thing I can tell you for absolute certain, uh, you know, is that I don't know. I don't know. There you have it. Um, I mentioned, again, I'm a little older than you, like I said, six, seven, eight, maybe years. But uh, I really had a real problem, uh, not problem, I had a real um, a sadness um, when Norm MacDonald passed. Did not realize, obviously, he was, he was young and he was going to pass. And I never realized that it would have such an effect and just how sad it would make me, even though I hadn't seen him do much stuff. And then the same thing happened with Bob Saget. I, you know, Bob Saget's been around forever, but I'm not a huge fan. And then Louis Anderson. I mean, we've got all these comedians. How have you taken that? Did, were you fans of them? And, and, and has it just been weird to watch some of these kind of... I always found it weird when, when Bob Saget died, it said icon. And I thought, Bob Saget, icon? I guess he is. Never thought of that when he was alive. Um, but now it's now it says icon in front of his name. Did were you were you as sad as me, or were you fans of those guys? And just thoughts on just uh, some of these voices going away. It's kind of sad, but it's again not not your generation, probably closer to mine. Um, how, how did you feel when you when did you know these guys? Were you fans? Did you know them? Any of that stuff? 
Yeah, I grew up watching Full House, actually. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. I was more of an Uncle Jesse guy, if I'm being honest. You know, I, I wanted to be in the Rippers, uh, you know, growing up, Jesse and the Rippers. Uh, yeah, those were the days. But uh, as far as Bob Saget goes, uh, you know, he, he was just playing a club in Milwaukee, actually, the improv in Milwaukee. I was thinking about going to see him I didn't uh now I wish I did of course but he's a great comedian and he's been a comedian a lot longer than uh he's one of the guys that came up uh, with Seinfeld at the comedy store and all that and so he is from that era and uh he's very well known in the comedy community I feel like there's the general audience that kind of knows him from Full House or America's Funniest Home Videos uh but then um you know He's he's a legend in the comedy world. He certainly was um, before he passed, and and his passing, I think, has brought all his work up to the surface, and that's given him that sort of icon name. And he he really is a great comedian. So, and then Norm Macdonald. I mean, uh, geez, you know, the the way that guy told, uh, the way he. Uh, he would draw out a punchline and, and his nuance and his uh, ability to uh, just make a, a non-joke funnier than hell. Uh, it was just, I, I applaud it. You know, I mean, it's just, they're both in, in, incredible comedians. So, uh, yeah, it's sad they're gone. We were talking earlier, you know, you talk about bombing on stage and how fun it is. Norm seemed to love to bomb. Like that was his sort of his that was he was known for that. He would say, listen, I'm going to bomb and I'm going to look at you until you laugh at this joke. It's funny. I know it's funny. <laughs> That's funny to me. Yeah, I know. And and that there there's so much uh, uh, to dissect his comedy is, is not something I, you know, I can do effectively uh, right now with the time we have. Or probably ever, you know, but you're right. He would just embrace the awkwardness and, and uh, whatever, because to him, I think that uh, sort of the whole idea of getting up there and telling a joke was a joke, you know. So whether or not he got laughs is just icing on the cake for him, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but watching him work and going back and watching you know, him on late night shows, you can kind of see that, you know, the, the funny part was that he was going on a 10 minute rant without a, without a punchline, you know, well, and that's, that is, so every word was a punchline. Yeah. Conan does a podcast. Conan needs a friend. And when Norm passed, he did a thing, uh, with Andy and a, and a writer, I believe. And I, I like Conan's podcast. Um, but they did, they spent a whole basically hour talking about this and I got to learn kind of the, the thought about how he, you know, how he constructed his comedy and Conan knew him pretty well. So it was, it was funny. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you about, cause in the news, I like to try out material here. You know, Spotify is big in the news right now. Joe Rogan against Neil Young and now Neil Young's pulling his stuff. And then Joni Mitchell says she's pulling her stuff. So now I don't know if you heard Bing Crosby today, I'm kidding. I don't know. It's like, who? these are all 90-year-old people pulling their music from Spotify. I don't see Taylor Swift pulling her music, but, but uh, Beethoven today also said he's taking his music off Spotify. I don't know how you feel about uh, this, whole, this whole... But I was working out material here with Charlie. That's it. I don't, I don't do material. No, that's good. I feel like, I feel like you're getting your set going. That, that, that's, uh, you've got at least three minutes in, in what I've heard from this podcast already. That's awesome. That's all I need. 
<laughs> I appreciate your time, Charlie. Um, you know, I really enjoy your stuff. And again, you're out on tour, so people can go to charliebarons.com and check out uh, his website where there's everything you need to see. Um, he's out in Florida. And again, if you watch here in St. Louis, he's coming here to Helium. Um, you're going all across the Midwest, and uh, hopefully I'll see you out there. But uh, anything else that uh, you'd like to mention here? I enjoyed this. I, I got really did. I wanted yeah, to hear, I yeah, I wanted to hear kind of more about because I've had some of the older guys like Greg Fitzsimmons has been on and Craig Gas, still touring guys, but they're that older group and this this new generation. I'm really interested in anything else you want to add. And and and, and let me think of one more bit here if I have one while you talk. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I really enjoyed uh, uh, talking to you and uh, yeah, no, I mean. Uh, I'm excited uh, to come into town and, and check it out. And if you've got any bars you recommend, let me know. I will do that. We'll do that offline. Uh, I thank Charlie, and I thank you for watching. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Here's the pitch. Sponsored again by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. Five locations. Go to Masses. STLMasses.com. You'll take a look. Find their uh, menus. If you love pasta, that's where you need to go. So thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.